he loves us. And because he loves us, he teaches us. His teaching of us is an aspect of his love. When Stephen began, he said uh, that I was going to come up and speak. And someone leant over to me and said, I just love. And I thought they were going to say, it when you speak. And they said, finishing at nine o'clock. Because <laughs> I can go home and watch another episode. I said, oh, great. Okay. And me too. Me too. <laughs> so we're thinking this evening about... Jesus, our teacher, Jesus, the rabbi. And in the past two weeks, 50,000 students have arrived at the two universities here in Oxford. And I don't know if you know that the word university is actually a shorthand form of a phrase, and excuse me, Latin's not my strong suit, universitas magistrorum et scholarium. This is Oxford, so we've got a bit there. And that means a community of masters and scholars. University is shorthand for a Latin phrase meaning a community of masters and scholars. And when I read that, I thought, what a wonderful image that is for what church, in part, is all about. We are a community of one master And we're all scholars learning from him in love. God is a speaking God. He's garrulous. He's always communicating. And whilst a lot of what he says leaves us with mystery, he doesn't leave us guessing. And a verse I want to hang what I'm sharing this evening on is in Hebrews 1 verse 1. And it says this. In the past, God spoke to us and to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. God is speaking to us and he speaks to us, instructs us, teaches us, guides us through his son. The first thing I want to say is this, teaching was central to Jesus' ministry and identity. Of the 90 times that Jesus is directly addressed in the gospel, uh, in the gospel, 60 of those he is prefaced with teacher or rabbi. It's what he did and it's who he was. The first time is in John 1.38, where the followers of John the Baptist, John the Baptist has indicated that Jesus is the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. And then the next day, when some of John the Baptist's, John the Baptist's disciples see Jesus, they go after him, and they say this, Rabbi, and then the text says, which means teacher, where are you staying? We want to come and be with you, and we want to come and be instructed by you. And so Jesus as teacher is not only central to his identity, but actually to our identity. As disciples, as his followers, we are those who are taught by him. 
He is our rabbi. The word teacher in Greek is didaskalos, from which we get the word didactic, which is rarely used. That comes from a verb dao, meaning to learn. We are those who are learners. We're always wearing learner plates, following after Jesus, being taught by the one who loves us. And because he loves us, he teaches us. The term rabbi, rab, or pronounced rav, means great or exalted one. And by putting I on the end in Hebrew, it turns it into a possessive pronoun. He is my great one. He is the great one of me and for me. And you may be interested to know that the term rabbi applied to Jesus, that is the first occurrence of that word ascribed to someone in ancient literature. And whilst it may have been a term that was used in, in um, parlance, there it is for the very first time in ancient text used of Jesus. He is the original and still the best rabbi. And Jesus himself owned that title. He said on one occasion, you call me teacher and Lord, and so I am. It was important not just to those. It wasn't simply a projection from those who followed him of how they perceived him. It was Jesus' own self-identity. You call me teacher and Lord. And he put it alongside that predicate. And his ministry is marked by teaching. Yes, he fed the hungry and he delivered those who were tormented and he healed the sick and he blessed the children and he would go to die for the sins of the world. But teaching for three years was primary and central to the person and ministry of Jesus. Matthew's Gospel says, when it introduces Jesus, he went around teaching the kingdom of God. And I love what it says in Mark chapter 6, verse 34. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. It was out of his compassion being moved for them, seeing that they were troubled and lost and needy, that the overflow of his love and affection and passion and compassion is teaching. The teachings of Jesus are never a kind of edict coming down from on high. They're not laws and chores. They are an overflow of compassion because he wants the best for us. And he tells us how we might access that. And then secondly, creativity and variety are at the core of Jesus' teaching. It's so funny that often in our evangelical world, we, we sort of arrive at a form of preaching and teaching. We think, well, it has to expound the scriptures in this way, and it has to have three points with an introduction and a conclusion, or, or whatever sort of form it is in that tradition. But Jesus used a huge variety of means to communicate, and maybe we should attempt that too. Maybe I should. 
The content of his teaching was, can be summed up as the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God through Christ on earth. God setting up his kingdom here. Heaven come to earth. And there are, it's been estimated, approximately 100 distinctive units of teaching that the Lord taught. Um, that can be whole discourses of beatitudes or lists of woes or sets of parables like in Luke 15, the three sets that are lost, but over a hundred distinctive sets of teaching. And if you want to know more, you can look that up online. Just Google for a PDF, Arthur Hines, the complete sayings of Jesus. Jesus taught by proximity. He didn't just throw words at people from a distance. He called his disciples to follow me. And they could just talk as they walked. Sometimes he'd stand and teach great crowds, but often he was just there with them, talking and chewing it over. And they would see that the man was also the message. He embodied it. He taught everywhere, and he taught anyone. He taught in wide open spaces, in homes, in synagogues, in temple precincts, on the streets, on boats on the sea. He taught crowds of thousands and individuals. He taught the inner group of disciples and he taught the public. He taught in the morning and he taught at night. He taught at wells. He taught at parties. Anyone, everywhere, by all means. Every opportunity to share because he cared. His teaching was an overflow of his love. And he taught with variety. He employed stories and visual aids, hyperbole and humor and memorable pithy sayings. And he asked questions and he answered questions. He used repetition and people as examples. And he embodied what he preached. There was no one kind of mono form of communication. Every which way he could, whenever, wherever, however, to convey this instruction to reveal the kingdom, to draw people into his love. And he taught with simplicity. One of my favorite verses is in Mark 12, 37. It says, the common people, ordinary people, heard him gladly. I love that verse. And my dad over the years, he's an old preacher, has often sort of tried to temper me and say, listen, son, Jesus said, teach my sheep, not my giraffes. You're going too high. You're trying to sound too smart. Boil it down. The common people heard him gladly. And yet he also talked with absolute and remarkable profundity that just left people with their jaws dropped. On one occasion, the religious leaders sought to arrest him, and they sent some guards to do that, and then the guards came back empty-handed, and they said, where is he? We, we sent you to arrest him. And their answer, no one ever spoke like he did. They went to get him, they stood at the edge of the crowd, they listened to him, and they thought, how on earth can we arrest him? And he taught with authority. He claimed his own authority to teach and interpret the law. He said, you've heard that it was said by Moses, but I say to you, 
He was placing himself as an interpreter of the law over Moses. And later on, the Pharisees freaked out and went for him. And uh, he said, why are you doing this? He said, and they said, because you make yourself like God in what you say and how you say it. Actually, he wasn't making himself like God. He was God made like us to bring us to God. And the authority of his words was confirmed with works. John chapter 3, Nicodemus, who was Israel's professor of theology, came to see him at night because he was embarrassed and didn't want to be seen with him in the day. And he said, Rabbi, we know that you, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher sent from God. A teacher sent from God because no one could do the amazing things you do if you want from God. Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher sent from God because you do these amazing things. Want just words. This is the nature of the kingdom. There's always words, but there must always be accompanying works. And then Jesus' teaching demands a response. Not simply a philosophy to muse on and to debate and to discuss and to play with. He's laying down a way of life for us to live with him. And there's always a challenge there. So in John chapter 6, he's teaching them and some of the disciples say, this is a hard teaching. We can't follow this. John 6, 66, they then left him. And Jesus turns to Peter and the other disciples says, are you going to go also? And Peter, you remember, says, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. But his teaching is confrontational and it precipitates a crisis, it faces us with a challenge and a decision. And many aren't prepared to go the way that Jesus calls them to. And then fourthly, we are to teach the teaching of the teacher. Matthew 28, at the end, just as our Lord Jesus ascends into heaven, his final words, if you like, to the church as he leaves are, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Union with God is what we're about. Baptism is about union, incorporation into the very life and being of God. And then it goes on and says, teach them to do everything I've commanded you. There's union, and it's mystical, and then there's the university, and it's educational. Teach them to do everything I've told you. The word disciple actually in Greek is mathetes, from which we get our word mathematics. But we, to be a disciple is to follow, to be taught, and to enact, to obey the teachings of Jesus. Not enough just to want some sort of mystical union with him. Not enough even to believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's about believing, it's about union, and then it's entering into that university where we're schooled and become scholars, listening, learning, and obeying the master. Christianity is a taught religion, not a court religion. You cannot get it by feeling or mystically. We're those who are taught by others 
who were taught by others, who were taught by others, all the way back to the apostles and then back to Jesus, what Jesus taught. It's the tradition and it's handed on and it's adapted and applied in every new context, but it's the words of Jesus that are at the heart that define us. Taught, not caught. And we're to obey everything he commanded. It's not do it yourself. There's no DIY in Christianity. No pick and mix. It's no multiple choice. I'll just take a few of the Beatitudes. It's, it's all of it. We're to obey. And one of the sad things is that nearly every letter in the New Testament, after the Gospels, nearly every letter addresses a context at some point where people have come in and taught something different. And the apostles are writing a letter to correct error and say, actually, that little bit of DIY spirituality and theology, your own take on it isn't good enough. What did the master say? And to just realign with what Jesus had said. So St. John in 2 John 9 can say, everyone who goes on ahead and does not remain in the teaching of Jesus does not have God. Strong stuff. Jesus, our teacher and our rabbi. And finally, let me say this. Jesus teaches us because he loves us. And in teaching us, we are dignified. You know, all the students have just come up to Oxford and I sit outside having coffee and I notice the, some of these students and they're swanking along. But, you know, proud as punch because they got to Oxford. And fair play, what a thing, what an amazing thing. But that's how we should feel, to be those who are called to be scholars of the master in the university that the Lord has founded. The church is his learning lab, and he has chosen us, and he has elevated us, and honored us, and dignified us by giving us his word. It's an extraordinary thing. In Acts 4.13, the Jewish authorities interrogate the apostles for preaching the gospel. And it says this, amazing. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They weren't bookish. They hadn't gone to the, the, the schools and been taught by the Pharisees and the scribes and so on. And yet, they had a learning and a knowledge and a stature and a presence because they'd been with Jesus and been taught by him. I love this. I failed miserably at school. I was absolutely rubbish. I managed to scrape four O levels and I honestly think the miraculous began to be at work with me, even getting four in those days. But when I became a Christian and I realized that God had spoken, God had revealed himself, and it was here in a book, I wanted to know this God who I'd met. And I began reading the book and studying the book and trying to understand and trying to systematize. And, and I, was, I was being taught by God, invited into a relationship, honored Dignified. It's one thing to be chosen by a professor to be in his research group in Oxford. Quite another to be invited to be a disciple of the great rabbi. And I learned to think and 
analyze and engage and deduce, and I understood language and poetry and all of that stuff. And I went from four O levels, a couple of years reading the Bible, straight to theology, where I got undergrad degree and postgrad degree and wrote books and all of that stuff. Why? Because Jesus taught an unschooled man. We are dignified. We're elevated. We're honored. What an amazing, wonderful thing it is that God and Lord of the universe would become flesh and would speak to us in our language, in words and ways and idioms that we understand in order that we might be prepared to receive his kingdom and experience his love. Amazing. Jesus is our rabbi.